We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to The Big Jump with Orla Kelly and Des Doyle. When everyone else is gone. Good evening. You are through to The Big Jump with me, Des Doyle, and Orla Kelly, uh, my co-host. Orla, you're there with us. I am indeed. Um, we have a government since last week, which is very exciting. And uh, we must congratulate Malcolm Noonan. So he's over Heritage, which is part of our remit here in the big jump. So um, it's it's great to have. Well, he's he's good at it and he's got a good interest in it. So he should be a great advocate, I'm hoping. Yeah, I think so. Look, I think it's great that we've got some sort of, uh, of, of, I suppose, final decision around around government. We'll see how they go from that. But um, hopefully a discussion with Malcolm in the near future in the next couple of weeks. Um, today we've got a really, 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 really good show. Um, we have uh, Mary O'Byrne, CEO with the Irish Landmark Trust, to talk to us. And then after the break, we've shown at Renton, who's going to talk to us about sustainable flower farming, floral design, and uh, what it takes to be a Flare grow. Hopefully, uh, on the line we have Mary O'Brien. Mary, are you with us, sir? I am, Des, indeed. Thanks very much, and having, thanks for having me on your show today. Thank you very much for joining us, Mary. We are um, delighted to have you on. Uh, we're still uh, feeling our way with uh, wor- working remotely on the show, but we've, we've done a pretty good job over the last couple of months. So okay. uh, it's always trickier when there's uh, when there's guests you can't see, but you're very welcome. Um, Mary, I'm just going to start. You're the CEO of the Irish Landmark Trust, and, and I'm, I'm familiar with your activities. For people who aren't familiar with your activities, what is the remit and what are the activities that the Irish Landmark Trust does? Okay, Des, well, our, our primary purpose is to save heritage buildings and to give them a sustainable and viable future. In other words, to reuse our historic prop- stock of properties and to put them back into use for people to come and stay at them. Um, typically we deal with small houses of a domestic size um, so I mean I suppose in a nutshell that's what we that's what we do okay and you're not you're not limited though to smaller houses because when you have a look at the at the website and I, I, I've kind of seen some of the houses you've done up you do all kinds of houses all kinds of buildings like as you said that have been um, at risk or maybe that have been you know needed a lot of work um, so you've got a kind of a wide range of buildings we, we do, Des. We have a good stock. We have, like keepers' houses, I suppose we're quite well known for them. But we've one or two nice country houses, gate lodges, mm-hmm. former schoolhouse, uh, a muse building in Dublin. We have, yeah, and, 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 and a miniature castle. So, yes, we have quite a range of properties. So this is going to be the absolute best summer that the Irish Landmark Trust have ever had, I imagine, with so many people staying at home, um, having maybe a little bit more disposable income because they're not spending it on flights. So how are your bookings? Bookings are good. Uh, I think you put your finger on it there. I think people are, have been staying at home and doing all the right things, but there's a pent-up demand for people mm-hmm. to get away. And I know we offered something special Um in the properties and I'm yeah fingers crossed it's going to be a really really good summer for us when we get out of this yeah and uh, so so your properties are they suitable for families or is it more couples or how does that work or is there a selection of them I, I certainly uh, I've seen the lighthouse and that's uh, definitely on my bucket list yeah <laughs> I know and Wicklow Lighthouse is on so many people's bucket lists 
What I would say to you is we have, a, you know, we have properties for two people. A lot of the gate lodges sleep two people. We have two properties that sleep perhaps two families who want to come together. Tully Murray House up in just above near um, uh, Banbridge would sleep up to, I think it's 10 people, as does Inchiquin House and Corrafin in County Clare. So they're for families. And then we have properties that sleep four, six, seven. So they suit a range of people. They suit couples. They suit people with young families. They suit families who want to come together and maybe... You know, so if there was time. if there was a family group, let's say that had, that had been uh, maybe maybe doing a lot of uh, maybe not seeing each other over the last couple of months, it'd be the perfect opportunity to get a bigger house in a really great space. Yeah, 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 and they can come together now. The big thing about our properties, and we're we're so we're so um, focused on the heritage side of the historic side of the buildings, we don't have televisions, Des. But the whole thing is about people coming together rediscovering one another in conversation, playing board games, just relaxing and reading and, and enjoying the area around them, you know. That, that's crucial to us. But we have May lots of families. Hi, Orla, Orla here. Sorry for cutting across you there. Um, I will fess up here and say that I would have done a lot of the interiors for the Irish Lammer Trust properties and it was an absolute pleasure to work on the buildings. But it's true that... I think at this particular time now that people are going to be looking for very interesting spaces and there is also the added advantage of the Irish Landmark Trust properties that you don't have to get involved in the big volume of people that you would in a hotel. I mean, they're just wonderfully isolated of the buildings, aren't they? In a good yes, way. They are, Orla. They're, you know, as you know, many of them are quite rural settings. They're not in even, you know, holiday villages or that sort of thing. They're pretty much all standalone, so they're very safe for people to go to. And, um, yeah, they're, 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 that kind of standalone, that uniqueness is what attracts people. They can just get away a bit of peace and quiet. And I think as well, if people are, um, let's say we're planning on going abroad and all the excitement and the, the difference of that, I think in some of the Irish Landmark Trust properties, you could certainly get that same you know thrill of everything being new and different i mean i know in in the galleyhead lighthouse and a few of the lightkeepers houses you have the the actual lighthouse at night time you know shining in it's mm -hmm. it's dot and dash kind of morse code and i know you have jerry butler and some of the lighthouse keepers that tell amazing stories about the sea and the coast and everything it's a very experiential kind of holiday isn't it yeah, it, it is, Orla, and I think we're very lucky to have the likes of, as you said, Jared Butler down in Galley because he was a lightkeeper. It's interesting that at most of the properties, the person we call the house manager who meets and greets often has a, a previous connection, and it's the stories they tell that bring the houses alive. It is, and part of the, um, you know, the, the really quirky interiors, even some of the buildings up north, some of the gate lodges are these miniature castles that have like fantastic architectural details but at the same time only sleep two people so if you want to get that really special feeling that you would have i'm not promising the tuscan weather but i mean there are just really beautiful you know very luxurious bathrooms that overlook the sea with old cast iron baths and you know mm -hmm. nice chairs in nooks and crannies and i i think that they suit the irish weather in that they're very well appointed for staying inside 
Yeah, they are. They're very, they're very well furnished. Um, and uh, as you say, you know, these claw-footed baths, they're, they're unique. They're so different from what people experience at home. I mean, the furniture and all the fittings are appropriate to the house at the same time. They're very comfortable, they're up to date, and they're, you know, the kitchens, the bathrooms have to be modern because they have to be hygienic in every way possible. And Mary, what are, so I know you have a very big portfolio of properties that include castles and gate lodges and townhouses. Um, do you find that people become Irish landmarkers, that they come back to you and go to a, a different house each year? Oh, they do. Some people just love to, they'll, they'll write to you and they'll say, well, I stayed in Salterbridge this year, so can you tell me where I can go next year? Maybe they're a couple, if they're a family. Look, we tried a lightkeepers this year. Can we try something else? What about a schoolhouse? What about, a, a, you know, an Irish country house, something different? And they, people who come to us often come back and stay again and again. Uh, Mary, I just uh, had a look at the website earlier on, and there are just so many great interesting houses which would be so so such an adventure for let's say a family with kids particularly for this, the, the houses to sleep for but also if you compare the cost of them uh, if you're you know let's see environmental cost as well of, of versus uh, like let's say going on a holiday they're really really affordable I mean you have uh, Blackhead Cutter in, in Antrim which would be a really great drive that coastline is amazing um, sleeps four from £320 for two nights open fire uh, right on the coast and you could really tie that in with a really really good you know Belfast trip or Titanic quarter or something and make a great couple of days with Absolutely. lots of Absolutely it's only about 20 minutes out of Belfast city um and and you know the whole purpose of these houses to reuse them so they're they're very it's, it's very good for the environment for for people to come and stay in these houses but they they all have attractions within them I mean, people who stay in the lighthouses love the light people who stay yeah. at say kiln wing up in uh, Bushmills, there's an actual wheel now it doesn't turn every day of the week but there are times mm. of the year that we turn the wheel it's a mill building yeah, but I mean, even something like Loop Head, uh, which is amazing, I mean, beautifully looking right out there in the peninsula, uh, sleeps five, 460 for two nights. I mean, that's fantastic value for anybody listening that kind of maybe doesn't want to do Airbnb or they can't find something with Airbnb and they need something self-contained and maybe they have another family member or something like that. I mean, it's a spectacular place to go on holidays. And, and again, within, within Dry for a lot of people on the West Coast. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, 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 look, I, I love them. I've stayed in a good few of them myself. Of course I have. But um, yeah. they're very, very popular. Um, and as, as you say, we've summit in the north. We've in the Republic. We've over 33 properties altogether. And wow. they're all quite self-contained. Yeah, Mary, I'm, I'm, what, sorry, Des, oh, sorry. Across, just uh, what new properties are coming up? Apologies, Des. We're delighted, Orla. We're actually delighted that we have a new property in Cork. It's going to be our very first thatched house. It's a place called Killee Cottage, just outside Mitchellstown. It will only sleep too, but you know, this is bringing an historic 18th century cottage back to life and bringing people back in to stay in it. So yeah, Killee Cottage in Mitchellstown is our project that's currently on site and we hope to have it by the, ready by the end of the summer. That's it. Uh, Mary, what is uh, your most popular um, property? What, like, I mean, out of all the properties, what's the one that people really, really, really want? Well, we have 
Des, we have two. Wicklow Lighthouse. I, I suppose it was our first project. It's our logo, yeah. and maybe just people know us because of it. But the other one that's really popular is Helen's Tower, which is a clan boy up in um, County Down. And a lot of people oh, yeah. associate this with uh, Game of Thrones. It's all in yeah. the Game of Thrones country. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and in terms of the profile of the person you mentioned, uh, you know, you have lots of people that come back. Are there people that... Um, let's say, come back, like your typical person. So you, so somebody will come back and they will say, okay, I'm going to do Cork this year or I'm going to do Clare next year or I'm going to do Galley Head. Do people kind of work through them once they get used to the kind of style of properties? Do they work through them and find uh, new kind of places to explore through the Irish Landmark Trust? Yeah, some people just like to kind of make a tour of the light keepers. Others, which I think is really great, they're so, they so much want to come back to an Irish Landmark that they'll actually just come on the phone and say, look, this is where I stayed last year. I, I'd love to be by the sea, but what Irish landmark properties do you have, wherever? If they really just yeah. want to stay in an Irish landmark. So they're, so they're open to suggestions. And the fact that it's 32 county organisation is something, uh, just, somebody's just come in on the text line there, they just said, it's fantastic, it's a 32 county organisation, groundbreaking. There's, there's, there's a great stretch of places to go see and like you know we, I, I went to college in Belfast so I'm very familiar with it it's a fantastic city and maybe something somewhere that people you know down south of the border maybe don't just don't think about exploring and even though there's amazing things to see there and it's a really accessible city and there's loads of stuff on the coast so it's really really good how does it work with with north and south it, it, it works very well. I mean, people, and again, that comes back to the thing that people just want to get away to an Irish landmark. They don't see the border. So we'll say to them, well, we've this available in Bushmilder, we've this available in Cork or somewhere else, Loop and Clare. People, what I really, really like is people don't say, what have you got in the Republic or what have you got in Northern Ireland, you know? And a lot of the lighthouses, it's interesting you mentioned Belfast because... A big part of, um, with, we, we've got a big branding together for all the lighthouses called Great Lighthouses of Ireland, and Titanic in Belfast is part of that. So we encourage people who come to go and see the whole spectrum of lighthouses, not just where they can come and stay with us, which is great, but some places are just visitor centres, like Hookhead. Yeah, and they're, and, they're, and it's fantastically sustainable as well because the, the funding obviously you receive from people staying there is going to contribute to the upkeep of something historic. We're not flying. Uh, we're, we, you know, we're keeping local people in, in, in and shops and, and business, and especially in the, in, the, in the situation we have now with COVID where people coming out of lockdown still want to have that kind of, you know, they want to reduce their risk and they want to be a little bit safer. It's the ideal um, place, isn't it? Yeah, I think that's the big thing about the self-catering option. You're not mixing with anyone else. You're going in as a family unit. I mean, we've had to put an awful lot of new cleaning protocols in place. Not so much new, that would be the wrong word, enhanced, this whole mm -hmm. idea of uh, disinfecting. But we've got a, such a huge positive response already from the guests who've been in. And they just that love the fact that they can stay here and feel safe. I know that's great. I'm, I'm tempted already. I'm like, Des, I'm doing my, oh, yeah, because there are some of the larger properties as well. Um, Inchquin House in Clare now that I would have gone to a few years ago and got, you know, um, a few people together, like two families mm -hmm. and stuff. And it's just such a good way to holiday. But what happens is the houses are so beautiful that everyone is inclined to go out and have 
a, a sort of brief look at the area outside and then just people kind of gravitate back towards the house and because there's a nice dining room, you know, you want to make a special meal and it, it, it's just very much about the architecture and experiencing that yeah. and in a way it, it ends up being better value because you're not out of the house for sort of eight or ten hours a day but I, I find everyone gravitating home and reading a book on a windowsill they do because often they don't have that up you know you'd be surprised how many people now live in apartments especially dublin people yeah and this idea of having a whole house to yourself probably a bit of outdoor space deep windows do we we don't build houses with deep windows now yeah. able to sit in a corner get a, snuggle up maybe on a cushion and read a book they absolutely love it and as you say they want to come home and cook for one another and sit around the table and chat that has become a luxury, unfortunately. Yeah, exactly. And, and what better windowsill to sit on read on than one with a with a lighthouse shining its light through the mm -hmm. windows? It's all very poetic. Um, the interesting thing about the remit of the Irish Landmark Trust and rescuing these particular buildings, that in a way the OPW, the OPW and the state always looked after sort of the Castletown House and Kilkenny Castle, the much bigger properties and a lot of these smaller more vernacular buildings were really at risk we were at risk of losing them altogether just because they'd either gone into such a state of disrepair or just because they're very expensive to restore for a small building aren't they they are Orla. and i think that's the thing about it these were the buildings that in many ways were most at risk they're not the most economic for a big organization like opw to take on but by bringing them back and giving them, actually bringing people into them is the best way of bringing them back to life. That's what a house is supposed to be about. Yeah, because you really do experience the story, whether it's going up a, a spiral staircase yeah. or, um, you know, realising the staff quarters. And even in one of your Dublin city properties, the Muse House, the, the stables underneath it, it was the Muse House, and are, there, there are still horses that go in and out in the stables underneath. Are there, Mary? Yes, yes. We were able to get the guard mounted unit to come in and out. So the stables are back in use, and they use it on an, an ad hoc basis, you know, if they're around the city. It's fabulous. The guests almost see it as a treat if the, if the mounted unit's in. It, it, it's very historically authentic. So the stables had to be kept anyway, and then you found this marriage of the Garda Mounted Unit. But, I mean, to be staying, you know, so close to the National Gallery and Marion Square and then to actually have horses underneath neighing and whinnying, whinnying is, yeah, is yeah. certainly a unique way to holiday. Yeah, it's... Yeah. it's it, it, gives a real, it gives something, a real or authentic to it. It's a real experience of what the house was. Yeah, it is. That's what I'm saying. And I think people like the time to experience that and have a look around. But then as well as that, there's, there's such an interesting story to tell afterwards. Speaking of horses, do you, can you, can one, can a guest bring dogs to any of the properties, Mary? Oh, you can, which is a big thing for us, Orla. Most of yep. the properties you can bring dogs to, and we see that as really important. I mean, I'm speaking as a pet lover myself with two dogs, but People like to bring their pets if they can. The only yeah. time we probably don't do it is where we have two adjoining houses. And that's simply because you could have someone in the other house who genuinely, for some reason, doesn't like dogs or could have allergies or something. But our, our aim is, is always to be able to have dogs at our properties. 
Mary, I know we are going to be coming to the end of uh, this interview, but I just have a couple of questions. If uh, so, all of the, all of the houses are fitted out, obviously, so for every single comfort, so you can bring your own food, uh, you can go to the local market or the local deli or whatever, and cook from home and have a home away from home. It is a big thing, as you said. A lot of people are living in apartments; they don't have the experience uh, of of maybe getting out into the country and. Maybe COVID, uh, for all of its uh, the negative parts to it, has taught us that there's a real value um, in, um, I suppose, exploring our coastline, exploring houses like this that you guys have saved. The final question yeah. I have is, how do you guys get funding? How do you actually get this done? How do you get this great work done? Well, you know, what happens, Des, is a lot of people nowadays come to us and say, we have this building that, you know, um, is lying vacant and we've no use for it and it's, we can't do something with it so maybe we agree to go into partnership with them and find a way to raise the money and restore it we've come we've thought we've uh, engaged in partnerships with state bodies like irish lights uh to okay. restore light keepers we have partnerships with opw um or even just cork city council recently our most recent conservation project before we went into um Lee Cottage in Mitchellstown was in Elizabeth Fort in Cork and that's a partnership with the, with the Cork City Council where they had two houses within the fort that really needed to be brought back as houses um, and, and it works very well for us that way. That's fantastic, Mary. Um, what a brilliant picture you paint. Um, I can hear Des is in envy there. So uh, the good news is that you often have offers on the website and last minute deals. So everyone should check them out. And as Des pointed out, there's really good value to be had anyway. So before we leave you, Mary, do you want to give people details of the website, please? Yeah, sure, Orla. It's www.irishlandmark.com. And you can find a whole listing of the properties there. And from any individual property image, you can make a booking. That's brilliant. Thank you so much for joining us. That was Mary O'Brien, CEO of the Irish Landmark Trust. And I can guarantee you, if you go on the website there, you will be... Um, you will be very tempted to book, is all I can say. Um, after the break, we have Seanad Renton, who is mad about flowers. So do join us in a few minutes. Text us on 086-353-7782. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to Orla Kelly and Des Doyle on The Big Jump. When everyone else is gone. You are very welcome back. It's Jez here on The Big Jump with uh, Orla. Uh, we have just had a great conversation there with Mary O'Brien, CEO of the Irish Landmark Trust, uh, talking about the great work they're doing in keeping Ireland's built heritage alive. Uh, definitely the website to visit if you're looking for an Irish-based, interesting holiday in loads of historic uh, properties. And from uh, the subject of heritage buildings. We are now going to move on to our next guest, who's Shona Renton, who is from Madabit Flowers, uh, who is, I suppose, uh, one of the nicest Instagram pages or feeds I've seen in a long time. Uh, Shona, are you there with us? I am indeed, yes. You're, you're very welcome. Shona, um, I, I know a little bit about, about your business and I know we, we, uh, we had, uh, myself and Orla had talked about getting you on for a little while. Um, tell us about what you do and how you came to be uh, a flower farmer. 
Well, I grow um, around half an acre of seasonal cut flowers, um, a large variety. I suppose my season really runs from March until around September, but I'm so dependent on the weather that that varies from year to year. Um, okay. And I also grow a large variety of flowers for drying. Okay. And the flowers you grow on the acre, are they all used for, let's say, weddings or special occasions, or are they sold, or is it a mixture of both? It's a mixture of many things. I I uh, sell bouquets, you know, to individual customers. Uh, I supply oh. various shops. Um, I sell to florists. Um, and my main income is probably supplying flowers for weddings. Okay, and so basically everything, you know, the majority of, of what you use for a wedding, uh, you grow. And how does that work if you have, let's say, a bride and groom uh, who are getting married? Do they come to you for ideas or do you say to them, look, this is what I'm going to have and you can pick from this? Or do you try and match, you know, and I know colours and things like that are very important for weddings. How do they, how does that work? Every wedding is so different because every couple has has their own ideas of of what they're looking for on the day. So generally, I try to use as many of my own flowers um, once I have the right colours or the right varieties. Um, and also it depends on the time of year because through the winter time I wouldn't have any flowers. So I do have to supplement what I grow uh, buying from Holland. Yeah. And, and are you finding, uh, like, let's say the majority of your business is around weddings or are you developing, let's say, retail? Because it is a big thing, sustainability around flowers, and people are starting to become more aware of that. You know, where do your flowers come from in the supermarket? Where have they traveled from? You know, how, how much pesticides and water have they used? So it's a, it's a, it's a, a big selling point. It is indeed. And, and like you said, people are becoming so much more aware of of um, you know what they buy, how it was produced, and so on. Um, here, I I don't use pesticides. I mean, I I just sacrifice. Very, I grow a large variety, so I can afford to sacrifice certain varieties that succumb to green fly or um, mm. caterpillars or various other other things. Um, but a lot of a lot of brides are becoming much more aware um, of you know, the imported flowers and chemicals and so on. Um, and some are quite happy to just use whatever I have so that they can just have locally grown seasonal flowers on their day. Okay. Jonah, I, I, or, oh, sorry, Dis. <laughs> Orla here, you're, you're very welcome to the show. Now, I, I think for people who maybe haven't seen your flowers, I mean, I would get your bouquets all the time in, in glossary and goodies and Gorn. And apart from the authenticity of them being grown locally and not pesticides, they just are so um, historic, nostalgic, natural. They're they're just so beautifully put together. Thank you very much. <laughs> and the other, when you were talking as well earlier on about the dried flowers, it's really interesting. I know you do. Um, you know, hearts and and wreaths, both at Christmas and Halloween. But you've got really summer ones as well. I think for a while maybe the dried flowers suffered a bit of bad press and they were kind of, you know, they, they were seen as like a cheaper option. Whereas your dried flowers look absolutely, they're just very creative and inventive and 
do you find that that's a growing market? Oh, dried flowers are really on trend at the moment. Yeah, they've made a serious, a serious comeback. Um, so, you know, even even uh, selling just regular bouquets, not just dried wedding flowers. You know, they're very very popular. Yeah, and I suppose people get the value. And if you've grown the flowers, and then if they're dried flowers, like how long would you expect them to last, or how long should, would people expect them to last? They really once they're kept inside and away from damp and direct sunlight a, a wreath you know if I make a wreath for someone to decorate their wall with that could last for two or three years yeah they're absolutely absolutely beautiful and what I've started to find is if I'm going to someone's house now or if you're buying someone a present um, rather than buying them a bottle of wine because I know none of my friends like wine um, and <laughs> it just the option of actually supporting someone um, local so until you start making wine showing it but I think it's just really it's just such a meaningful gift like if you bring that to someone and there's a whole story behind it um, I, I just think it's all it's all going in the right direction really isn't it yes you know people are becoming more aware and um, there are quite a lot of of growers um, around the country and so that you know seasonal locally grown flowers are quite accessible really no matter where you live are you part of the um is it what's it called the irish wildflower association are there a grouping of you it's the, they're called the flower farmers of ireland they and have a who, website are, are, and they run across the country do you help one another out or how does it work we do indeed yes there are a couple of other local growers in the area and we we do help each other out it's it's a great it's quite quite a lonely job and um, because most of us are working on our own so it is great to be able to have someone you know on the end of the phone you can sound things out with them it is yeah no des and i are both self-employed so we understand <laughs> that it can be like while very rewarding it can sometimes be a lonely place so it is really nice to have that kind of backup and how much is there of let's say seed saving or seed sharing or are you looking at Irish indigenous wildflowers or just wildflowers that grow well now at the moment in the climate? No, people have this misconception that we grow wildflowers or they say we love your wildflower bouquets. But to me, wildflowers are flowers that grow naturally, you know, along the hedges and in the fields and so on. And I mean, I, I generally don't pick them. Um, what we grow are sort of, I suppose, traditional country cottage garden style flowers. Um, and many of them, you can't import them from the Dutch market because they don't travel well. Um, so they're kind of unique. Um, we can provide flowers you know, that, that really aren't available from the other florists or supermarkets and so on. Um, and the, the beauty of them, too, is that they're, some of them are very fleeting and it makes them even more special um, so yeah, and we do we do save seeds, um, swap seeds, swap seedlings, cuttings, and so on. Yeah, there's a lot of that goes on. Uh, Sean, I'm just going to come in there. In terms of like your, I suppose, uh, progression into this into this business, you're obviously uh, very good at grow, growing flowers and, and, and a really keen gardener. How did you How did you come into this? Were you always interested in gardening, or was it just something that developed over the last couple of years? Or how, what was your background? 
Well, I've always had a passion for growing, whether it be vegetables or flowers, anything. Um, and I kind of fell into it in a way. I had, my daughter was born. I was working with racehorses, and it really wasn't compatible. Um, so I was kind of scratching my head, wondering what to do, and just said I'd, I'd give it a go and try and make a living out of something that I was really passionate about. But I kind of went into it blindly um, and didn't realise quite how challenging it would be. Uh, as I've no horticultural training, it's um, a lot of it's just trial and error, and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Yeah, as, as somebody who uh, I, I can empathise on both fronts, A, that I'm a gardener uh, with uh, a, a big obsession for all plants and it doesn't uh, go to plan all the time. And secondly, no. I'm a parent of, of two children who are uh, pony club uh, crazy. So uh, yeah. I get I get the not uh, having enough time for sure uh, yeah. because it's a very intense, very time intensive hobby, let alone job. So for your progression to that then was kind of a kind of a natural progression and then as you say your work is seasonal and then there's you know there's a development of the dried flowers there's a big piece around sustainability here though in terms of there's not loads of air miles you're supporting somebody local it's money that stays in the local economy you're not spraying pesticides um there's no dubious labor practices so it's 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 a really really good story and certainly i can see on social media there's an awful lot more people doing it and irish people seem to really like it is that a kind of true assessment of it sorry say that again oh sorry irish people seem to really like it i mean they seem to buy uh you know that the, the, the more and more people are open to buying irish fares they are indeed yes yeah they, i mean we've been off to, to a great start this year um and, and long may it continue. Uh, I mean, I, more, all of us within the, the, ne the network of the flower farmers of Ireland support um, the local wildlife. We don't use pesticides. Um, I mean, our, where we grow, it's literally humming with so many different kinds of bees, various different insects, butterflies. Even at night time, if I'm out in the evening cutting, you'd hear the moths buzzing around. Um, yeah, so we, we're providing a, a beautiful habitat for, for wildlife. Brilliant. And, and as well as that, are you dealing with couples all over the country or is it more Leinster or Kilkenny or Carlo or is it a little bit of everywhere? It's anywhere really within the southeast. Um, I, I, well, I, I ship my, my fresh flowers, my fresh bouquets and my dried flowers nationwide by courier. Um, they're available to order on my website. And um, okay. I provide wedding flowers, basically sort of within the southeast area. And okay. Shona, do you think the um, wed the the new the new everything, which is not the new normal, and all the all the cliches they're going with everything being different? How is mm. the new wedding panning out? In that, can you see? because people are having smaller weddings, and probably some people are more in, going to be more inclined to have them at home with a marquee than possibly in a hotel. Do you think that is going to work well for you? Um, I suppose a lot of the weddings I supply are sort of um, country house weddings, rather, and they, some of them would be slightly maybe more intimate anyway. Um, 
So, I mean, well, I haven't. I had a wedding in the beginning of March. I didn't have anything until a very, very tiny one just recently. And I have a few bookings coming up. But again, they're all very small. And I think it's a trend that's just going to continue until, until we know where we're at. Yeah, which could be which could be a nice thing for everyone that people don't feel obliged to have three hundred and fifty people that that they're that they can get away with a civilized smaller group of people. Um, how open? Uh, I mean, I know Des asked you about this earlier. Do you think brides and grooms that come to you have already decided that they're going to put so much more trust in you because it's going to be seasonal and they already like your taste and your aesthetic? Um, I guess so, yes. I mean, every bride is so different. I mean, some are very particular about the, the certain varieties of, of and colours of flowers, whether, you know, they're my own flowers or imported ones. Uh, and others are, are, you know, they'll, they don't stress about, you know, if the green fly attacks such a flower and I can't use it, um, you know, they're very easy to, to go along with a, a different colour and variety. So it, I suppose it depends depends on on how they envisage their their big day big day well every i think there are a lot of people going to be reimagining their big day as a medium-sized <laughs> small day in the future so shona it's been an absolute pleasure as as i say i'm a huge fan of um both your fresh and your dried flowers so maybe give a shout out for your instagram and website for anybody who's listening Oh, yes, my website is www.madaboutflowers.ie and there's actually a link on my homepage uh, to my Instagram. That is fantastic and um, I think even if you're not planning on getting married, do go in and have a look and you can always pick up a bouquet in Glossary and Goodies in Gorn. Shona Renton, thank you so much for joining us and now we are going to take a big a break and come back and join us on The Big Jump in a few minutes. Text us on 086-353-7782. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM. You're listening to The Big Jump with Orla Kelly and Des Doyle. When everyone else is gone. You're very welcome back to The Big Jump with me, Des Doyle, and uh, co-host Orla Kelly. Orla, that was a fantastic interview. Uh, two really, really good, interesting stories today. Uh, Shona's story is great because there's there's such uh, satisfaction, I suppose, for both of us uh, in hearing about businesses locally that are doing really, really well. And uh, it's it's great that people are using sustainable flowers and they're supporting local businesses. And she sounds like she's really, really into it as well. Yeah, um, the, I can just, I have a beautiful visual picture in my mind of a, of a Shona Renton bouquet in an Irish Landmark Trust kitchen table because in actual fact, the two of them have that nice, um, beautiful, authentic, slightly wild, slightly worn, historic, you know, there's a, and I'm hoping that there's going to be a new sensibility around things. So the Mad About Flowers whole business model and the look of her flowers are just so different to the more artificial bouquets that have been. You know, that kind of very preened, every single rose petal perfect. And I think that there's a sort of a sustainable, can you call it a sustainable aesthetic 
would you think does is that such a yeah I, think, I, I, I mean what's interesting for for me is 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 a lot of the businesses that we've talked about in this show and there have been many uh are, 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 I suppose, getting new customers where people are starting to realize that how they spend their money makes a difference, okay? And that could be supporting a local business or it could be moving away from a, let's say, less sustainable uh, alternative or supporting a local uh, a local business. And that's a big part of local sustainability and keeping keeping jobs and stuff like that. But success stories like Shona's are, are absolutely fantastic because it just shows that there wasn't a business there and, you know, people were probably importing lots of flowers and going for that kind of perfection that you talked about. Um, and, and now there's a big, you know, shift to something a little bit more understated, more sustainable, more local, and probably much more individual because a lot of those, uh, I suppose, big businesses, the, the products are kind of cookie cutter products that everybody has to have the same thing. And there's a real element of of uh, kind of grow your own, make your own with a lot of the businesses. And that's no different for the, uh, the florist business as well. And I think the thing that she can offer the kind of flowers that would just grow indigenously in the area that that it's not as though that there's another way of getting those flowers because they don't ship and they have this, you know, transient quality to them, which I don't know, I'm not a romantic, but I presume if you were a romantic that that would be very special on your wedding day, the kind of, you know, the transient of the moment and the the sort of local aspect of it. I just I just think the whole aesthetic of of her work is really unique. Like, it's not so much that you could get her bouquet from a florist in Ireland and then you could get you just wouldn't be able to replicate it she has her seed heads and the wild grasses just have a it's beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> yeah no it's it's a, it's a really good story and the Irish Landmark Trust as well uh, it's, it's a really nice uh, really nice story as well and a great opportunity for people to uh, to find somewhere different and and do it sustainably which is really really good and the thing i mean as i said like i have worked on and stayed in so many of the irish landmark properties and it was really interesting the point that mary o'brien was making is that really the idea of a very wide windowsill and the space and you know even a stairs and big landings that kids can play on are, are really things that that a lot of people don't have anymore. And when you do go and stay, stay in a hotel, you don't actually get that either. But I don't know if you remember growing up, you know, always that cupboard or the space under the stairs that you could turn into a little home. Like an historic property is full of so many of those kind of nooks and crannies that young kids just love to play in. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, I think it's... Uh there's loads of memories that can be built uh, and you don't have to get on a plane to do them. So no, it's, it's, it's really, really good. Um, on that note, I am going to, I know we have a couple of things left to talk about, but uh, from uh, heritage properties and uh, mad about flowers to uh, hurling has made, uh, you know, the fashion world go into a little bit of a tiz with the, uh, Paul Meskel and his uh, Adidas shorts. And I know we talked um, very, very briefly about um, the New York uh, sex club who has found that hurls are a, uh, a staple of their, um, how shall I put it, clientele. Did you read that story, Orla? Um, you were mentioning it to me earlier on. And um, yeah, I think, I think the, um, 
the shorts, the Gucci 550 euro version of O'Neill's shorts has been a, a new relook at the visual of Ireland. But um, yeah, the hurl as a sex toy, that certainly, um, it certainly makes me laugh. And um, I'm not quite sure it, how it fits under our sustainability remit, but I suppose it does. And it's Irish and local. I hope they're Irish hurls that are being used. Apparently, apparently they are Irish hurls and they are um, handmade. Uh, so obviously there's a, 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 an Irish citizen traveling with their hurl to New York and it end, has ended up uh, in a sex club in New York. And I just thought, um, you know, it's probably the most sustainable sex toy there is at the moment. And what's going to be next then? So if, if, if all of the hurling things are catching on as on trend, um, we just have to think what's going to be the next thing within the GAA lineup that could become um, sustainable, fashionable, future-proofing. Any ideas? I don't know, but it was highly entertaining to watch uh, uh, normal people uh, and the whole GAA thing, as you say, uh, just become... Um, you know, on trend, and then Gucci rushing out with shorts and stuff because it's kind of our uh, our day to day, isn't it? You know, it's kind of uh, you know kids going to uh, hurling matches and uh, you know GAA wear uh, where we all wear hoodies and stuff like that, and uh, to see it become a, a fashion staple is uh, is very entertaining, and I think well, we're kind of got left, left behind a little. Bit. The next obvious thing that follows after the sex toy hurl and the uh, sexy shorts um, is that the actual hurling becomes a thing far flung all over the world and that'll really up the stakes and then there can be a whole world league on hurling and uh, yeah, that would that would set a bit of competition going, wouldn't it? Absolutely. I, I take it the up the stakes is a pun. Uh, on that note, we are going to move over to the final a little bit of our discussion, which is about um, the government formation, which is great. And I know that there's uh, an interview with Malcolm Noonan coming up in Kilkenny today with Morris O'Connor after this at about 5.30. That'd be really, really interesting. And as you said at the beginning of the show, uh, Malcolm has obviously long flown the green flag in Kilkenny, been involved in lots of great initiatives and uh, and has waited a long time to get into, uh, I suppose, the space where he is now politically. So congratulations to him. I think it'll do good uh, for, for, for not only for Kilkenny, but for lots and lots of us uh, looking for a more sustainable and better uh, and better future. What are the big expectations you would have about that? Um, well, I think, and, and I would say, I was speaking to Malcolm, I would say congratulations to him. I think his remit around the arts and um, culture and heritage is, uh, you know, it's just very authentic. It's really long-founded. I think sometimes when people arrive to the, to the cabinet and to government with as much experience as Malcolm has, is it just gives you a really good, nuanced you know, broad view of making policy and a really informed view of making policy. Um, and then as far as the rest of the government formation goes, I, it just seems like a very good plan for government. Um, it seems like everyone is being, um, you know, has committed to working together and putting through the policies. And, you know, there there's a kind of confluence of a few things. So you've seen, um, well, the one-way system in Kilkenny... There are a lot of the streets around Grafton Street in Dublin now that are being pedestrianised temporarily at least. A lot of the smaller, uh, well, towns in Cork, Clonakilty, and uh, four or five of um, 
the towns in Cork have put out tables and chairs in the middle of the street and um, pedestrianised them as well. So there's this kind of movement coming from the ground up that we've seen with so many of our guests and producers and just people and the way they want to live their life. And then hopefully there's a confluence of policy coming from the top down and you don't always get that kind of synchronicity. So um, I remain really hopeful. Yeah, I think it's really, really good. I mean, things like one-way systems and pedestrianising of streets and, you know, slowing down traffic and stuff, it's very, very hard often to reconcile that with the commercial needs of traders. And they're, and they're very, you know, they're very well-founded fears around, um, you know, football and will people come in. But I, I suppose it's my long-held view, and I've, I've lived in a lot of other places other than Kilkenny, that the more people you can get into the city and keep them there, so that they go in with their kids, they go for coffee, they go for lunch, they shop locally. If you can keep them in there and not incentivize them to go to out of town, uh, you know, places like that, if you can give the city centre a life, you've got a much better chance of keeping customers and making them loyal because they'll shop locally and they'll go for their paper, they'll go for their coffee or whatever. So I do see both sides of it, and I'm sure you do as well, that it is a big thing to get, um, you know, a street closed or a street made smaller or a street made one way or whatever but I also think if we can give it a chance we'll have a more sustainable city and we'll have hopefully better trading and then we there there is the option as well that as well as families cycling into town or walking into town and that they now also have the option to get the bus into town and as you say once they get into town and the idea of people staying there and there's a lot to do in Kilkenny that's free you know there's the Castle Park there's you know the whole uh, Riverside Walk you can even go for a swim and um, let's get people in as you say and get them to stay there for the day and all the all the nice necklace of villages around Kilkenny as well not to be ignored so um, that is the good news yeah, that all sounds great and certainly something we're going to talk about in the future. So I can see that we're just coming up to close. So first of all, I am going to say thank you very much to Mary O'Brien from the Irish Landmark Trust, Shona Drenton from Mad About Flowers, uh, my co-host Orla Kelly. We cover GAA shorts, Hurley's and sex toys, uh, sustainable flowers and the Irish Landmark Trust. What programme brings you that? Morris O'Connor is up next uh, with the new, uh, just after the news. Have a great weekend. We are Community Radio, Kilkenny City, 88.7 FM.